Merry Christmas, everyone. This is our DOLW Podcast 51, December the 25th, 2021. And we pick up with The Right of Sodomy by Randy Engel at page 859. I digress. Little update. And uh, these started out almost daily. We were learning our capabilities. Uh, and so now we went to weekly, then bi-weekly. And now this is, I look, it's almost been a month. Let me give you an idea of what we're doing here. We are preparing some product releases, one. We're building community, two. And we're gathering witnesses and preserving that witness testimony. We have gone from almost daily to weekly, now monthly podcast, and we're doing the best we can. What we're doing is we're an incubator. So, you know, incubators, when they're productive, we start having babies. Things start to hatch. That's what's happened. T has snowbirded to Florida. We are busy. We want to thank you for your prayers. We are, uh, again, assisting others build their community. Uh, we have in a few in-progress projects I just mentioned going on. We threaten to finish those and file with church court. Uh, some dubia. We're working with some other people. So as we grow, we gain capacity. That things change, which is exciting. So, you know, uh, talking to and watching what's going on before I let me explain to you we're reading this uh, the right of sodomy about these facts they matter because they drive an agenda and it's a culture of death and there are people that want that history forgotten they don't want to deal with the problem so I want to start off with some just some basics and I don't know if this will help because it can Reading that book, I want to keep that alive. Randy Engel spent 17 years of her life there. It's powerful. It's a witness. It's a witness that uh, that uh, people do want to forget. I don't want to forget it. It hasn't affected my faith. But in the process of forgetting, people are put to death. They're put to death by clergy and staff. Franciscan murder, Franciscan cold shoulder. They filter Francis. So let me go through some digressions to change the program format because there's a lot that goes on that we talk about that uh, that delay us from getting uh, doing the podcast just because there's so much um, so much demands on our time. But uh, we hear the birth of Jesus Christ. He, and uh, some some things in talking to Teresa. She's the canary in the coal mine. Uh, she, we were talking about the Eucharist, the birth of Jesus. And do you realize that the body, blood, soul, and divinity that you receive uh, in communion? You're going to go to Mass today, presumably on the 25th of, of uh, December here, 2021. The, 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 the priest is going to give you the body and blood of Jesus Christ. He's giving you the same body and blood that Jesus received from Mary, from the womb of Mary. The church started inside, grows on the inside to the outside. It started in the womb. It started in her great fiat. And remember that. And, you know, I, uh, I want to give you my impression uh, and has as I was formed and taught and and I don't know how to say this uh, other than I'm coming across people that are poorly formed 
and and poorly formed in many different ways, uh, and we can get into that later on. But one, you understand that the power of the church, it's taking, uh, it is, there was a time when there was no church. There wasn't a need for a church because there was no fall. There was no original sin. So <coughs> the point I want to get across to you <coughs> is in all this uh, fight of corruption and cleansing in the church, people say, you know, I, I can't deal with that. Or they'll say, oh, that's too horrible to look at. Look, this church, this action of God is powerful. And it's where our Father, there really is a God. It's a structure of reality that's trying to introduce truth into your lives and goodness. There's two processions from the Godhead, a procession of goodness and truth. Charity, goodness, you know as the Holy Spirit. The procession of truth, the, the, the knowing of our Father, creates another being, the operation of knowing, and that's Jesus Christ. The operation of uh, doing good creates uh, uh, the love between the Father and the Son, another procession called spiration. That's the Holy Spirit. So at the altar, when you go to Mass today, think about uh, this concept. And this is what the church is trying, uh, what, not so much the church because these men, uh, Randy Engel tells us, men were ordained. Early on, she talks about uh, a Protocol 61 in 1961. Men who were ordained, who are weak and marginal men. They can't function. They, can't, they don't see this. They don't get it. <clears throat> and so the blind are leading the blind. But so your church takes... Let's, let's, we gather grapes. Let's take the creation because God is trying to do just one thing, elevate creation. That's clearly caramel. John of the cross, trying to, God has one goal for you. He wants to elevate your soul. And uh, so these lofty ideas are part of the culture of life. The facts that Randy Engel talks about are important because that's the culture of death. So we, let's just take an instance where you know and you understand in common, your common knowledge, your common sense, that we plant a vineyard, grapes. Grapes are gathered. Some grapes are eaten whole. As the, uh, some grapes are eaten just as they exist as grapes. Some are crushed and the uh, liquid, the juice of the grape is eaten. So some grapes are gathered and put and eaten as is. Some are set aside and crushed, and we drink the grape juice. Some grape juice is set aside and fermented, <clears throat> and we use it as celebrations. It's known as wine. And then some wine is further set aside for the altar, and it's consecrated unto God for holy things. You see this process where <clears throat> the, el uh, the whole reason that God is... Uh, set these actions in progress is to elevate creation not to destroy you you draw closer to your father it's not to destroy you to limit you it's to elevate and he takes a lowly grape and elevates it at the altar transubstantiation becomes the body blood soul and divinity of Jesus Christ and the same body and blood that, that you get is the same body and blood that Jesus received from Mary. You see that? Okay. So when we are talking about truth matters, God's trying to elevate your soul, not destroy it. He's trying to elevate it. You have to remember that. You have to think about that. Beautiful, beautiful thing. And 
why would God block truth? Why would he block goodness? Here's what's going on. I'm going to give you some concepts that why we fight. Uh, this concept, I got to get it better than this, but they undermine what they are not able to do themselves. Like live for goodness and for greatness. That's sin. That's been around. That's a logic that comes from hell. The motivation of Satan is jealousy. He's jealous because he can no longer have friendship with God. Angels are outside the body of Christ. You've been incorporated into the body of Christ and you can claim status as a child of God. You see that? Claim status as a child of God. And then like the grape, there are hierarchies. The church is hierarchical of its very nature. Vatican II describes it in our native tongue of the church, which is Latin. It's very powerful. It's just the church is not just hierarchical. It's hierarchical of its very nature. And that's why when we get from the teachings of John Paul II, that it's more important to be holy than it is to be a bishop, even the bishop of Rome. In the order of importance, it's important to be holy. Okay, you've got that. Now, for Teresa, all you're getting this is, uh, give me some feedback if this is good, because this is how Teresa and I and <clears throat> Bill and others, we talk about this before we do programs, before we do our, our podcasting, our products we're launching, building other community. Uh, we talk about these concepts, but I never just shared them on a podcast, so I'm going to start doing this. But I don't want to denigrate. I want to make sure that we get that Randy Engel concept out, because that's important we're not to be afraid of of the truth and they are there's clergy and staff that are afraid there's clergy and staff that cannot live for greatness they can't it's like a, it's like an acorn that is in the presence of an oak tree it's never transformed even though it's ordained it's never lived for greatness it's never lived for goodness it's always lived for what it can attain and if you have can attain more than the priest more than the staff they become jealous. That's the, that is the motivation of Satan. Jealousy. Because he said, I will not serve. And he lost that capacity. All right. Now, <clears throat> let's continue on. What, what, when do you... People have left the church. And in our diocese of Lansing, they're regenerating. They're reorganizing. They're realigning resources. They say that. You know, it, it's a business term. I think it's a business funnel. Permit me a guess. And uh, they're realigning resources. So do you work with your bishop or do you not work with your bishop? Some people can't. They just, they're just so far out there. They've left the church. There's de-Christianization going on. There's de-evangelization going on. So here's uh, some thought process of how we look at reality. <clears throat> Is your bishop attentive to problems three things is the bishop attentive to problems is he focused on a problem and is he working the problem if that's the case we'll go over some other things I want to introduce you. then maybe you can work with a bishop I think I can work with a bishop I don't have to meet with him I don't have to touch him I don't have to be in the same room with him but if we give him problems and he's attentive to the problem focused on the problem and working the problem that's good enough for me as we take the grape that the bishop may be, maybe a dirty grape, a dirty acorn, and we begin to sanctify him. We evoke love into it. So if he is doing evil, he's a homosexual and he's ha or a heterosexual and he's sexually active, we want him to stop. 
if he has an active sexual history in his past, but he's chaste now. We want to turn him from that evil, and we want to elevate him. <clears throat> That's what we evoke, love. But if we come across things that we don't understand, or we, can't, we, we, we see a lack of good faith and fair dealing, because in any relationship with your bishop, you want to have that. It's implied that he's going to be acting in good faith and dealing fairly with you. When that's absent, and we're going through this jungle, just, just give the problem to the media or give the problem to the people who do the lawsuits. That is not ever, those doors are never closed. But if you think of it as a military action, we're in a church militant and we're going through the jungle of life at the tip of the spear is Carmel, red hot with love. And we're trying to evoke love. That's our brother. That brother bishop has been like John Picard in Star uh, Trek, captured by the Borg if he got an evil bishop. Lots of people lack the capacity to free him from the Borg. We don't lack that capacity. We don't. <clears throat> you look at our apostles. They denied Jesus Christ. Your bishops denied Jesus Christ. You don't end there. They denied Jesus Christ. Paul killed Christ. Remember Christ says, Paul, Paul, why, why are you perse per persecuting me? And Paul was elevated. Paul was taken from the Borg. When I say the Borg captured, I use that for the modern, for our modern understanding is that they're caught in that web of sin, in that web of deceit. So do you see how that works? Okay. So can you work with the bishop? Uh, a lot of people can't. They just want to, uh, they just cannot imagine working with somebody who has been the head of a group of men who were evil. We got a guy running around our diocese who another priest has publicly said he's wicked. He's a wicked man, a wicked priest. And he's uh, alleged to do terrible things, sucking on ears. He is deranged, just disgusting. Well, you know, and our bishop uh, tolerated him. Our bishop put him on senior status. I disagree with those decisions. I think something more severe. There's other ways to do that. For God's sakes, when we caught Noriega, who was an international uh, narco-terrorist, so we debriefed him. For God's sakes, debrief him. Hook him up to a, uh, a lie detector and debrief him and figure out what's going on. They don't do that. Ship him off with... I don't think that that's right. I challenged the bishop on that. I think that that was, in fact... Uh, Manipulate. It was calculated to get him out of there and to lay people forget about it. Oh, no. In fact, why Noriega? Why the, the lie detector? Because the guy that debriefed Noriega came from Genesee region of Flint, Michigan. Came from our diocese. Went to the one of those three-letter agencies. They don't waste any of those times and resources. You capture somebody who's evil, you study them like a bug in a bug collection. We're not doing that, but we're going to. That's why you want to have. Uh, that's why you want to talk about Randy Engel. That's why it's it's disgusting. If can't, it's very difficult even reading it. But we're not going to let them defeat us. We're not going to let that blackness eclipse the sun, which is Jesus Christ. That's truth. That's our history, and we're not just going to let them kiss and make up and say, "Oh, I'm sorry." We're sorry. Well. I'll bet you are sorry. We want structural changes. One of our products is going to be unconditional surrender. You want to kiss and make up? You want to say, I'm sorry? Well, listen, I want that crucifix, that cross, 
put in the front in our parish. You guys don't know anything about that, but that's our own personal problems. And you're going to have personal problems. And you want to ask, well, look, when they come to me, this is going to kiss and make up. Oh, no. They have ruptured. They have destroyed. They have disfigured Jesus Christ. They've cut off a leg. You look at that and you want to fix that. You know, <clears throat> that's like, you know, a rabid dog and you're a physician in an emergency room and they come in. The owners of the dog say, I'm so sorry the dog has chewed the face of about four or five of these kids. I'm sorry. Well, I'll bet you are. I want that dog taken care of. I don't want it just to just, I'm sorry from you. So keep that in mind. And you're not going to get, that's why you want them focused on a problem, attentive to a problem, three things, attentive, focused, and working the problem. <coughs> and you want to see, see results. Excuse me on that. So I digress. So this is something new. This is the first podcast. This is because of Teresa and Bill. The uh, canaries in the coal mine kind of give feedback. And we're facing in the clergy this culture of omerta. Okay, the most important thing is not to be ordained. Remember that. That's not the most important thing in the church. Never has been. If that were the case, don't you think a religious order would be camped out in the OBGYN wing of the hospital? Say, let's grab that firstborn. Let's grab all these guys. Let's turn them into priests. <clears throat> that altar is where you take the wine and it's it's transformed. There's a message there. That's why you have that proclamation of truth. And that's why the, the proclamation of the truth is the gospel, Jesus Christ. And then the transformation, the act of charity, and you consume that. The little bit of water goes into the wine. You're mixed into that. And then you transform the world. That, there's a war going on between Satan and your father. Satan is not the friend of your father. And he tries to hurt your father even today. By snatching his children. You got that? Satan is snatching the children of the father. Not because you have any value at all. It's because he can get to the father. He can get to the father. And what did Jesus say? I come to do the father's will. Right? Jesus is limited in that respect. He came to do the father's will. Remember John of the cross. Who looked at the crucifixion. From the point and made a little graphic of it, a little pencil drawing, from the point of view of the Trinity, above the crucifixion. Up to the 1500s, the crucifixion was always looked at from, this, from the earth, from the standpoint of man looking up at the crucifixion. And here we have Salvador Dali rendering that. You can Google that, Salvador Dali and the crucifixion of John of the Cross, and see that it's from the Father looking down. Very big point of view, and that's the Carmel point of view. Okay, so... <laughs> you'll see this you're to be adult Catholics you're to be in there and you're to uh, you have competency you're competent okay and you see these I see, we've experienced these clergy who have this um, Vagano says that the Cardinal Vagano says that they have presumed credibility and we and I don't know if we should be giving that. I think the, the, the idea is, no, 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 not any longer. We're in a state of war. You are destroying the church. We're degenerating. We're decomposing as a church. There's a crisis going on. And that very well may be a wolf, not a shepherd. I'm not going to presume you're a shepherd. So <clears throat> let's talk about judgment. We're constantly judged. 
When they say don't judge, what it means is no judgment in the sense of rejection. These wicked men reject us constantly and tell us, oh, Mike, you're me, I, the speaker that's talking to you now. I'm divisive. Well, hell yes, I'm divisive. Our father was divisive. He divided the darkness from the light. Let there be light. He spoke truth. And that divided the chaos from order, light from darkness. So you're divisive. Well, so what? I'm supposed to be divisive. I'm imitating the Father. You, my friends, are divisive. You're judgmental because you reject. You've rejected Heather. You rejected masses for Heather. And we've documented that, okay? So there's lots of hope. Where's the hope at? You know, uh, you can, we've been Zooming. The Zoom allows us to Zoom to priests that are functional in other parts of the world. We can bring priests here for sacraments. We know in an emergency, we've already been taught by our bishop, I don't know about you, that if you're dying and you can't during the midst of COVID pandemic, you can't get to a priest, a good act of contrition. Then uh, we'll, we'll, get you, we'll get you through. That's not true, then tell me that that's false, but that's how we were taught. Then I find out in Japan for 200 years, Jesus Christ kept his body, the church alive in Japan without ordained uh, clergy. Baptism was continually brought forth. They were alive and they were nurtured and they were kept alive for 200 years. That's pretty powerful. So let me get over to Randy Engel. Three things here uh, about the bishop. Work with your bishop if he is uh, how we do it. Yeah, I can't tell you what to do, but I'm just telling you how we do it. Uh, and the hurt that you have, I want to help you with that. And uh, you don't have to be his next best friend. You don't even have to meet him in person. But come back into the church. Come back into the church. And they probably, the homosexual clergy lobby, the communist clergy lobby, prefer that you're gone. You make their life easier. Come on back and make their life miserable. Judge them. Judge them when they go wrong. There's two types of problems that you want to present to your bishop. There's two. One is a convergent problem. If we go to, it's, and, and that problem is solved, it's solved forever. If we go back to caveman days, Stone Age, we want to move a, uh, uh, we want to move an object from point A to point B. We all converge with a solution, and we develop the wheel. You know, there's a time when the wheel was not around, okay? They didn't have the wheel in certain societies. It had to evolve, and we discovered the wheel. That's a convergent problem. People come together, and they converge solutions on one problem, and these solutions converge, and you have one solution. It's a wheel. Never have to recreate the wheel. Never have to solve that problem again. It's solved forever. What is a divergent problem? Divergent solutions. The other type of problem is educating your children. Every generation has to educate the next generation. It has to solve the problem. How do we transfer to the next generation the knowledge base that we have? And if you talk to 10 people, you get 10 different ways to do that. Where with the wheel, you talk to 10 people, it converges on a solution called the wheel. Here, it's a, diver, it's a diver, uh, divergent type of problem where what you do in your diocese, we incubate. I don't know how that's going to work with your, with your clergy and, and their staff. But I can share with you, we, we all want to help. Uh, we don't trust them anymore. We've seen them filter Francis. We can't get access to Francis from them. They just ignore it. And when you catch them 
it's been our experience is how I say it. Instead of calling them liars, just say when we catch them, they just walk away. They don't know what to do when you catch them in a bald-faced lie. You know, for example, if you're in law enforcement or you're a lawyer and prosecutor and you're in a room and they don't know who you are and they talk about, well, it's ancient history. There's been no problems with sex abuse or whatever. Well, and you were involved in an investigation within the last six months and they're sitting there telling this group of people that it's ancient history and they're and they're from the diocese not just from the diocese they're from the chancery's office that means that means the the bishop's close group they're the agent of the bishop and you think oh my god how, how do these men sleep at night you know they're sitting there bald-faced lying and they tell you there's no problems when you have been involved in the problems okay now, a lot of times, if you're in law enforcement, it's an ongoing investigation. You can't say that. If you're a prosecutor, you can't say that. If you're an expert witness, you can't tell them that. That's what's going on. So this was not this ain't ancient history, and there is uh, a fight that's going on. And it's a beautiful to be alive because we're laying the foundation for the third millennium. Let's give Miss Randy Engel some airtime. God bless her for her vocation. And uh, you'll hear that metric tone, that click, click, click in the back. I take that from Stalingrad when there was siege. The German Nazi forces were around the city and they were going to destroy it. And, and uh, so they would play that metric tone, that click, click, click to let everybody know the city had a heart. It was alive and it wasn't going to be suppressed. All right, we're at 859 where we left off at. <clears throat> when questioned about the Brooks Revelation, let's just bear with me because there is some, sometimes God does just wants virtue. He doesn't want, if he wanted this spoken with more eloquence, he'd have his angels read this. So I'm just being what I feel obedient. It's on my heart to read this, to get it out there. And uh, so the, it's, it's not meant to win any reading awards, but, uh, and it's not logical. Uh, when I say not logic, it's uh, there's better ways to read this in one setting, but I want to go and I want to let them know like that beating heart. We are not going to be suppressed. And here's what comes to mind. The great St. John Paul II. There, uh, in his pre-seminary days, he was with this underground. Poland was, uh, Poland was occupied by the Nazis. They had underground theater where they would express the desires of the human heart. Everybody had a role to play. Everybody would speak. Act, they would act. And it came to John Paul II's part for him. The name was Carl Wotiwa, Wotiwa before his ordination. That's where uh, it was his turn to speak. And he was speaking his part. And the Nazi loudspeakers started to come through the town in that area and drowned out. He never stopped talking. He would not let the loudspeakers, the chaos or whatever outside, stop him from performing. He did his duty. Same with you. That's pure John of the Cross, pure John Paul II. We're going to speak. If people can't hear it, if it's disjointed, if the, if the chaos of the world, the chaos of the Nazi loudspeakers tries to drown you out, it's not. that's not what God wants. God wants the love from your heart. God wants you to persevere just to keep going on. So if you think, God, where did he pick up at? I don't know. You know, it's been 30 days. I don't expect anybody to have the continuity, but I'm going to imitate John Paul II and the great saint, 
John Paul II, and then John of the Cross who said, do your duty, and I'm going to do my duty. I think God wants this, and, uh, and, and if he wants it done better, then he can have his angels read it. But his angels are outside the body of Christ. They're servants. I'm a child of God. I'm trying to serve my Father, trying to love him, and I think this, uh, how do I know? Maybe Randy Engel wants to hear herself, but we're not going to be suppressed by those that chaotic evil loudspeaker chaos in the world malevolence in the world we are going to press on and here we go when questioned about the brooks revelation this is page 859 vlasny informed reporters that the retraction by the seminary was a condition insisted on by the duluth diocese meaning brom and schweitz not the winona diocese in re in return for the settlement Bishop Vlasi said that the former seminarian, Maris, also accused other top prelates, including Joseph Cardinal Bernadine, of forcing seminarians to have sex with them. At the time, Vlasi said he did not place much credibility in the ac accuracy of the charges against Brom. They, they were forcing seminarians to have sex with them. Look, in our day, in the last six months, in our, in our Michigan area, priests have come openly public and said they were told that if they don't shut up about what we're talking about here randy angle they will not be ordained shut up or don't be ordained how many men got conditionally ordained because they shut up how many men did not get ordained because they the f you we are not going to shut up we're not going to shut up about the truth all right how many men did that i don't know can you imagine that being told you must you in order to enter a life where you're going to proclaim truth you must build it on a falsehood what a compromise and these men are now in their 50s they're starting to have problems their conscience is bothering them and it should bother them that's what's going on here so <clears throat> at the time Vlasny said he did not place much credibility in the accuracy of the charges against Brom and the other prelates because they were just too bizarre to believe. He said that an inquiry into the charges by his judicial vicar cast doubt on the accuracy of the accusations against Brom and the other fellow bishops. He said the settlement of less than 100000 was paid by the one-owned diocese that was responsible for the operation of the seminary and Brom's former diocese of Duluth. Ask why any bishop would settle a serious charge of sexually corrupting seminarians if there were hard facts that disproved the accusation, Vlasny stated he viewed the settlement not as a matter of justice, but as a matter of charity. Not that Vlasny was a novice when it came to covering up sexual misconduct in his own diocese of Winona. It was the responsibility of Father, now Monsignor Gerald Mahone, the bishop's vicar general and top aide, to handle alleged cases of clerical sexual abuse in the diocese. Mahone had been rector of Immaculate Heart Seminary for 17 years and was part of the diocesan team that Vlasi inherited when he became Bishop of Winona. Yet Mahone was himself accused of the homosexual corruption of two seminarians in two lawsuits that were settled privately without publicity in out-of-court settlements by the Diocese of Winona under Vlasny, who described $100,000 or so payouts as having only nuisance value. <clears throat> on July the nuisance value let me tell you that means just get rid of it because it's listen nuisance value in Michigan is around six grand okay Every, any talk to any lawyer they know what nuisance value is probably less you don't pay a hundred grand nuisance value 
that means look it's just it's a fly in the soup or it's just buzzing around it, it'll cost me attorney fees to just defend it so that's why we get rid of it okay nuisance value no 100 grand ain't nuisance value let me continue on july the 3rd 2002 brahm made still another big mistake at a news conference following the USCCB Dallas meeting on clerical sex abuse by priests and religious, but not by bishops or cardinals, Bishop Brom told reporters at a news conference in San Diego that there had been no large financial settlements of sexual misconduct in the diocese since 1990 when he was made coadjutor bishop. I'm going to digress. They get into this stuff. Oh, it's ancient history, ancient history. That's their theme. They're liars. <clears throat> and uh, but they want this to go away in the worst sense of the word. Instead of perfecting, you know, the church, uh, they go down this. Bec why? Because it worked at the seminary level. These guys, they said, hey, you know, you shut up or you won't be ordained. Guys, shut up. Not all of them. And then they're telling the Catholics the same thing: shut up and move on, or you're not going to have priests. You're not going to have the sacraments. Well, now COVID brought it in that look. We can get priests. We can bring them in. We can we can zoom to them. We could do our own last rites if we have to. And not only that, we can bring in priests. We can fly them in from other parts of the country, or we can fly to that. We're learning that there are options, and there's competition with these priests who don't want to serve. They're, they're kind of telling you, you better shut up or you won't have your church. Well, that's nonsense. Let me continue. Page 860. This public claim was denied by John C. Manley, a California attorney who told the media in that December 2001, the San Diego Diocese paid $250,000 to a victim of just one Paterist priest with a check drawn on a Union Bank of California account hailed by the San Diego Diocese. Diocesan officials scrambled to cover for their boss who was caught in another barefaced lie. The record shows that Bishop Brom was personally involved in the December 2001 settlement. Marish charges, ba charges backed up. In 1998, Roman Catholic faithful attorney James Bendel traveled to Winona on a fact-finding mission on sexual abuse in the diocese, including the exploitation of seminarians at Immaculate Heart Seminary. Bendel established communication with Bishop Brom's lawyer, Vincent E. Wellen. In a letter dated December the 22nd, 1998, from Welland to Bendel, the former confirmed that there was another seminarian from Winona, Andrew Jacobs, who also alleged he was abused by bishops at Immaculate Heart Seminary. Welland wrote Bendel that although neither he nor Bishop Brome were involved in the Jacobs case, they were informed that the Winona Diocese, represented by attorney George Restovich, had reached a negotiated settlement with Jacobs. <clears throat> Bendel also reported that in September 1998, John P. Webster, a former seminarian from the Immaculate Heart Seminary in Winona, was convicted of sexually molesting a teenage boy in June 1997 during a three-day retreat at the seminary aimed at recruiting potential candidates to the religious life. Webster received a sentence of 120 days in jail and 10 years probation. Charges there there was a bishop charges that there was a bishop's ring of sexual predators operating in the Winona Diocese at Immaculate Heart Seminary were also backed up by another source, Monsignor Michael Higgins, a canon lawyer formerly of the Diocese of San Diego. In a letter dated April the 22nd, 1999, to Pope John Paul II that addressed the decree of punitive laicization 
by the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith, instigated by Bishop Brom against the troublesome priest Monsignor Higgins. Troublesome priest. Monsignor Higgins stated, It is a matter of public record that the Bishop of San Diego, Robert Brom, has himself been charged with grave sexual behavior and has paid hundreds of thousands of dollars of diocesan funds in attorney fees and damages to escape the consequences of that misconduct and was given a promotion to the Diocese of San Diego when the full extent of his disgusting and immoral behavior was already known. <clears throat> in his letter to the Pope, Higgins went on to explain his personal knowledge of Brom's homosexual activities at Winona. Monsignor Higgins told the Holy Father that in 1985, he became good friends with families of several seminarians studying at Immaculate Heart of Mary Seminary in Winona. He said that one seminary told him that Bishop Brom would come to the seminary and visit handsome seminarians in their rooms for the purpose of initiating homosexual activity. One seminary revealed to Higgins that Brom made sexual advances upon him even though he was not studying for Brom's diocese, Duluth. After graduation from the, from the college seminary, the young man finally informed his parents that Brom, what, of what Brom had done to him. Once the initial shock was over, the seminary's parents paid the cost of a lawsuit filed by their son. His two attorneys contacted Archbishop Gabriel Montalvo, the Apostolic Pronuncio in Washington, D.C. in May 1989. The nuncio, in turn, was required to relay the information to the Holy Father in Rome and the proper diacostries dealing with the episcopate. Pope John Paul II appointed Brom coadjutor Bishop of San Diego with the right of succession on May 1, 1989. This means that the Holy See had 14 months to change its minds concerning Brom's appointment to San Diego, but it did nothing. The fact that Brom was preying on seminarians in the Winona Diocese appeared to be no impediment to his advancement on July the 10th, 1990, Brom succeeded Bishop Maher as the fourth bishop of San Diego. The seminarian in question received an out-of-court settlement in excess of $300,000, with the San Diego Diocese paying out $75,000 for damage Brom had done at Winona Seminary. The records were sealed as Brom did not want the nature of the lawsuit to be made public, Higgins wrote the Holy Father. After Pope John Paul II confirmed Higgins' laization on March the 26, 1999, which reduced him to the lay state, after Pope John Paul II confirmed Higgins' laization on March 26, 1999, which reduced him to the lay state, Dr. Higgins went on uh, to found Justice for Priests and Deacons, a San Diego-based organization dedicated to protecting the canonical rights of Roman Catholic clergy and laity, especially with regard to due process. I never heard that before. Wow. Um, yeah, Justice for Priests and Deacons. Since the publication, i got to mark that. One digression here. One digression. All right, I had that marked. Uh, since the publication of the Rite of Sodomy in 2006, a SNAP member from San Diego has contacted the author claiming that Higgins sexually abused him. Also, a reliable eyewitness reported that one evening in the late 1990s, he saw Higgins 
having a physical altercation with a young boy around midnight outside a convenience store in San Diego area. Unfortunately, no follow-up has been possible regarding the former charge. The operation of, I continue at 861, the operations of the clerical overworld and underworld. One of the consistent themes of this book that is certainly confirmed by this chapter is that homosexual underworld is that the homosexual underworld in the Catholic Church exists because it is protected by a vast clerical overworld that includes, but is not limited to, the Catholic hierarchy, the bureaucrats of the USCCB, the superiors of religious orders, and church officials in Rome, including. I got to mark that too. When I mark these, I come back and think about them and do some research on them. Uh, including the popes. There is no better case to demonstrate this phenomena, phenomenon than the case of Father Paul Shanley of the Archdiocese of Boston, who is currently out on $300,000 bail awaiting trial for multiple counts of rape and indecent assault and battery on teenage boys. On April the 8th, 2002, the Archdiocese of Boston released 818 pages of documentation pertaining to the extraordinary criminal career of homosexual pederast Father uh, Shanley. Tucked away in Shanley's massive personal file was a letter Shanley wrote to Reverend Brian M. Flatley, Cardinal Bernard Law's assistant for sexual abuse cases. Shanley was trying to get a job at Leo House, a Catholic youth hostel in Manhattan, operated by the Archdiocese of New York. Shanley wrote, I have abided by my promise not to mention to anyone the fact that I too had been sexually abused as a teenager and later as a seminarian by a priest, a faculty member, a pastor, and ironically by the predecessor of one of two cardinals who now debate my faith. One could write a book about the single sentence alone, the single sentence alone. When and to whom did Shanley promise not to reveal this information? What were the circumstances of his abuse as a seminarian at St. John's Seminary? Which cardinal is Shanley accusing of molesting him? In a legal deposition taken in September and October of 2002, Reverend Flatley, <coughs> Flatley told attorney Roderick McLeish Jr., who was representing Shanley's victims, that Shanley received new unique treatment not afforded to other priests accused of sexual misconduct. McLeish suggested that Shanley was receiving preferential treatment because he was blackmailing church officials, but Flatley did not take the bait. When, Shanley, when the Shanley case goes to trial, perhaps we will learn the answer to these questions, but not before. Let me continue here. We're at page 862, and now we're going to learn about Father Paul Shanley and the NAMBLA, N-A-M-B-L-A. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to conclude there and uh, because I noticed when we picked up mid-sentence last time, we ran out of time. I can only do an hour on these, uh, that it just doesn't work. So let's conclude with prayer in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Lady of Mount Carmel, pray for us. St. Joseph, protect us and guide us. We ask that this knowledge, we, we thank you, Lord, for bringing up a servant, the author of this book, Randy Engel, for exposing this rot that will allow us who are committed to doing good to go in, excise the cancer, contain, uh, uh, respond to the, the evil men, challenge them, confront them, and make the future safe for all those who follow us in the faith. 
This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Have a very Merry Christmas. Uh, you're all in my thoughts and prayers. Do keep us in uh, your, your thoughts and prayers. Thank you.